0: Hi everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Who Art Thou podcast. I'm your host, Barak Carlin, and with me today, I'm delighted to have Connor Leach on to chat with me about his work. So Connor Leach is a uh, graphic designer. He went to NCAD, just finished his time at NCD, which is also where I went, and uh, he's actually the first graphic designer that we've had on the podcast. Um, really, really lovely fella, um, extremely talented. I came across his work by, I was uh, on the Irish Times website and they had an article about a student that had done their final year project. On the Stardust fire from 1981, where 48 people lost their life uh, in Artane. and um, I was like, "Jesus, that's that's an incredible project to tackle." I would imagine it's very challenging. And uh, I had a look at the work, and I was like, "This is expertly put together." And it was Connor's work. And I I went into the exhibition. There was a video installation, short film, and uh, a book and posters and. I was very, very moved by it, uh, to say the least. I thought it was incredible. So I was like, I have to get him on, and we organized it. So this is the episode. Connor's grandmother actually lost three of her children in it. So he, he, the way that he tackled it is phenomenal, and we'll be going through how he approached it, how the design choices mirrored the what happened that night and what he's trying to accomplish. It's, it's an expertly put-together project, as I've already said. So um, we'll be chatting about that. Uh, what led up to that all the projects that led up to getting to that point and uh, what he hopes to achieve with this project as well um, it really is phenomenal work and uh, it was a pleasure chatting with him so I I hope you've enjoyed the episode uh, I'm going to stop rambling as I always do in the intro and here's the theme music by Zach Stevenson Did you have to do Zoom in college. Yeah. By the way, we are reco- I hit record just as you said that. Oh, no. no. Grand,
1: no problem at all. Uh,
0: so we're here for another episode of the Who Are Thou Podcast. I'm here with Connor Leach. Thank you very much for coming on, man. No Believe it or not, you're all. the first graphic designer I've had on. I work as one and I've never had one on.
1: Well, I'm on it.
0: I hate the clientele.
1: <laughs> we're tricky folk. We're yeah, tricky folk. <laughs> you
0: know. What uh, so we'll go right into it. Like what was what is it what made you want to be a graphic designer?
1: Well, you know what's funny? I never as a kid, I never knew what I didn't know what a graphic designer was up until the year before I really applied for it. I knew what it was what, by practice. a year practice. before? I knew what it was in practice, <laughs> but I didn't know what it was by name necessarily. Yeah. I kind of thought, I, I watched Mad Men as a teenager. <laughs> you know, I thought it was like Ad Men, marketing, Don Smoke Draper.
0: the whole time. Literally, yeah. yeah whiskey, tra- <laughs> trolley
1: coming in. I didn't really know the name for it. And I, I was studying, when I left school, I did a fashion a fashion industry course actually in Sally Nuggan, right? Okay. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Did that. And through that course, there was like graphic design involved in like the kind of marketing sphere of like the fashion industry part of oh, okay it. you know and I kind of was I got a knack for that and I was you know I was, I'd always been I always enjoyed talking and I've enjoyed I did a part-time job I was working in Topman selling clothes and I like to sell things and I kind of and my teacher was kind of like you know you're kind of good at this graphic design side of it and I was like you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it as well and then I look more into it and then I realized a lot of my favorite artists and like a lot of things that I'm actually interested in all kind of stem from what graphic design is. I mean, graphic mm. design is quite a broad term. Um, so I stuck on the portfolio course and Selling Noggin and then through that, I really kind of discovered what it was, applied for NCAD, fell in love with design, as cringy as it is. <laughs> but like, it, re- it, you know, it really kind of spoke to me more as I got a bit older. And I think when I got out, of, when I was in college and school and like my PLC as well, like I, I was still kind of young and just experiencing being a teenager and I guess... There's other things that kind of led me to where I am now in my work, which I didn't really think about until recently. I'm not going now if you want, but I mean, no. I, I guess I, I, as a kid, like I was always growing up in Stoke, so my accent, yeah. I know, it throws the, the
0: me by shock when you were walking in today. I was just like, He's not, he doesn't sound like what I thought he would. He's not from
1: He's an imposter. Uh, well, my mum's originally from in North Dublin, and like a lot of Irish, you know, immigrated to England in mm. the 80s met my 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 met my dad. My dad's English. And um, we were living we grew up in Stoke. It's near Manchester and Birmingham. It's like in between. It's a real just ex-industrial fucking mm. ghost town, you know what I mean? Um but when I was twelve we moved we moved back over here. Um and I guess the accent never really
0: left. <laughs> Do you know my dad now he's from Tyrone. So he's been living down here since nineteen ninety maybe nineteen eighty nine. And uh, his accent is still like, I don't know mm-hmm. notice it as strong as it is, but my friends will say it's strong. But as soon as he hits back to Tyrone it's so strong yeah. you notice it straight away it comes straight back in and it depends on who
1: you are like, if I'm hanging out with people from Stoke and it's yeah. real like talking like that like Oasis and and Stone Rose it's like oh fucking it's a bit kind of Manchester happy side. Mondays happy Mon- the Mondays the Mondays
0: the Mondays <laughs> um, I'm not going to do the accent because I'm nor- I'm notoriously bad
1: <laughs> well you um... want to hear my north side accent you know? oh right
0: okay <laughs>
1: how are you I, know, I won't even are we
0: cutting that yeah we're cutting that one off
1: um, but yeah, so like growing up in Stoke would have been 2000s and you kind of had that tail end of like um, kind of uh, subcultures and like the kind of music subcultures. Mm. So you, you know, you'd you walk around and you had your, your football casuals, like your kind of Green Day, yeah. not Green Day, Green Street, Green, Green, Green Street, Day. Yeah. yeah, you had them as well. You know what I mean? they kind of like post-punk. <laughs> um, but yeah, it always intrigued me. Who were these people? You know, you grew up in a, it was like, it was a very working class area, Stoke as well. And you see that kind of rich um, character uh, sort of sort of stories yeah. throughout the town and, and in pubs. And that always interested me. And then when I was 12, and, I, and even this was actually when I moved to Dublin, one of my best mates, he'd seen a film called This Is England.
0: Oh, it's a great movie. Fantastic movie, yeah.
1: Shane Meadows, an yeah. amazing director. Steve Graham, I think, in it. Stephen well. Graham. Yeah, yeah. He plays the, the top-notch kind of yeah, skinhead yeah. in it. And that kind of like, I fell in love with that movie because it was like it was shot in Stoke. And actually, Yaman's um, the director. He actually, as a teenager, would have been around Stoke a lot. Mm. Um, he actually w- worked a part-time job in Alton Towers. Oh, really? I watched, yeah, I watched <laughs> a mad thing about him recently. Jeez, that's mad. So that, I think Stoke might have been. It could have been part of an inspiration for him, and he and you know, so that that it kind of felt very true to me. And I always appreciated his style of the way he shot that. It was so raw, mm. and it was and a lot. I know from he was saying that like a lot of the, a lot of the characters were based people that he knew as well, and. I guess that always, that kind of level of, sort of storytelling and sort of, there, there's no gloss in that movie. Yeah, there's a beautiful soundtrack and it's shot very well, but it's it still feels very true and raw and authentic. Mm. And I guess when I started doing my design work, and I guess I, I like to use my design work to try and talk about topics that matter, especially in college, you have the ability to do that mm. in NCAD. I think we're very great. I'm very grateful for that because a lot of colleges kind of go quite corporate or quite. Um, and it's good in a way. I'm not knocking.
0: Yeah, NCD does have. That's that's why um, I picked going there because like I did get into. I got into IDT for actually fine art, but I found NCD had the more kind of. Because uh, I, I wanted to be like I was like I want to be like a designer who paints. Do you know that kind of? Yeah. I mean, it's like In NCD you can do that. It's, it seems and it's not like I go there and make an app. And I'm like, not knocking that type of design. Obviously that people like it. But pays you know, the bills. For me, yeah, pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it it was always that's the direction that I wanted to go. You touched on um favorite artists and stuff. Who who would be your favorite artist when you were kind of get really getting into the actual design as a career?
1: Well, I've all, and I guess still now, um, and it kind of sprung back around for this project that I did last. Chris Ashworth, I don't know he's him. Swiss grit, us. so he's a designer. He's, he used to be the creative director of the Raygun magazines. Oh, right, okay. So they'd have all these kind of cool bands, like Radiohead and fucking the sound and the other. New Ward, he's, he's from Manchester originally. Very cool, kind of like, it's like that kind of clean Swiss typography, but then he'll have like it, like fucking on metal and rust and it, like, like <laughs> dirt. And literally he kind of coined that whole thing of Swiss grit. Definitely check it out. It's some really cool work there. Yeah. Mm. Um, I I guess as well, those things, he's from Manchester, up the road from Stoke, all of that sort of culture, that kind of post-punk joy division, New Order, the Smith, all that stuff had an impression on me as a Mm. kid, even though I was born in fucking 98. But it still (laughs) kind of rings through. You know, when you go into a bar in Stoke, it's still the Stone Roses on the fucking jukebox. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I I got to visit Manchester myself. I love traveling on my own. So I went to Manchester on my own, like, 2019, just before COVID. And I was like, I love, this place is class. One of the things I couldn't get over was how friendly everybody was. Like, I remember watching Father Ted on my phone. I was having dinner on my own. These lads were just like, do you want to watch the match next to us? And then even I was at a gig in, I think it's called the Soup Kitchen or the Kitchen Soup or something. It's like an underground uh, it was there, there was a metal show on it but a guy noticed that i was at it on my own and afterwards he's like we're going to a nightclub um what was it called Satan's Hollow i think it was called they're like do you want to come with us so yeah. i was like yeah that's awesome so that kind of shit i was like you, Unreal, that's man. amazing and there was no kind of like i knew straight away that there was no malice in it at all do you Absolutely. know it was genuinely trying to be friendly but there was one exhibition that i always remember going to and it was it was an exhibition around near the wharf and I had, they had these photos of just all the different subcultures that went on in Manchester over the 70s 80s and upwards and stuff and I was just like god there's like there's an endless stream of them it was crazy yeah. I would love to have grown up in it but actually at one point though there was one point where they were they were showing skinheads now I know skinheads doesn't it back in the 80s and stuff doesn't have the same connotations as it does now but yeah. I had a shaved head at the time and Doc Martens and black trousers god. and a jacket that has all the band patches on it and I was looking at it kind of like, just, you know, kind of going, oh, wow. And there's a guy, I just noticed there was a guy next to me looking me up and down. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not like that no, kind no, no, of skinhead. No, no. Yeah, yeah, different <laughs> kind of skinhead there, yeah.
1: I wear a fucking one it yellow laces, black laces, yeah. the whole code there <laughs> or something, you know. Um, but that's the thing as well. There's so much fucking culture there, but a lot of that came over to Dublin. Mm. And like, even when I chat to my aunties, like my mum's family there, it was, they're a family of eight and they would have grown up 70s, 80s, you know, North Dublin. And North Dublin by then apparently it was like a backwater, a backwater, you know, yeah, it was yeah. like fucking bleak. <laughs> but the one thing they had was their music. Yeah. And they were also incredibly like that northern England. You said they were very, you know, positive, friendly people. That's a very working class thing, you know. I I think that people who don't have any sort of anything to lose in a way have nothing but each other and I think they, they kind of stem that out on anyone that they meet. It's like, okay, well, why they have no kind of not, not they haven't got any self-importance but they know who they are and it's, it's i don't know there's more of a friendly sort of um hard to explain like yeah i know i know mean. exactly
0: what you mean yeah yeah do you ever you just you, you touched on something there that uh I, do you ever see the video i think it's from the 90s of where orte you go and they interview the teenagers walking around grafton street Oh and, yeah, the Goths. and it's like, who are you? We're cure heads. And it's like, who are yeah. you? We're and this lad's dressed exactly like Morrissey. And there's like nine of them go. Yeah, we're awesome. Yeah, we're all Morrissey. <laughs> we're all Morrissey. And yeah. then, 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 then there's cure heads, goth heads, and the like goths. it's yeah the yeah, goths. The the it's Guts. So fun. But they call them like they actually call themselves the term. It's so it, it's so interesting to see it, and it's kind it? of making a comeback. The nineties kind of so su- ah, nineties and eighties subculture stuff is is moving its way back into particularly like I've not even noticed it. My sister's what? Twenty five? Mm, is she twenty five? No, she's five years younger, twenty four. I've noticed in her dress and stuff, it's very
1: nineties mm. oriented. Yeah, big time. And even the music, I mean, even like Dublin's kind of like post punk with the Fontaines yeah, yeah, yeah. D.C. or uh, well, the Murder Cab was a little bit punk.
0: got to mention them. You know, like <laughs> there, there,
1: there's all these kind of bands that like are kind of stemming out of that um, that that post punk thing. I think mm. it's it's something that is. I've always felt to be very interestingly kind of working class, and I know it's a whole thing about the Fontaines not being. Yeah, they're not
0: from they're not from the Liberties, but all the yeah. media was about the Liberties. Yeah,
1: but at the same time, though, like a lot of bands in England get away with putting the accent. I know I'm back to Ireland. <laughs> I think, like, yeah, look, they they are in a very talented group of fucking people. Yeah, they're great. They, they write catchy songs. That's all I care about, really. Yeah. Um, you can get bogged down by it, like
0: it, it. There's certain aspects of it that are, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not really too. I see we see people get very annoyed by, the annoyed the Fontaine's thing. I'm just like, dude, f- fucking just Come enjoy on, this. song. Who gives yet. a shit? Like, um, but uh, so with NCAD then, so what, what, like, so you were saying, and what drove you into intensity? How did you find the college? Because obviously, I'm an NCAD yeah. student as well. I, I had a, I had a great time.
1: <laughs> well, this is it. So I, I liked it. I, I had a wits because I was the co- we were my year was the worst affected by COVID. Oh yeah, of course so you would be. Yes, we went in. I went in twenty nine, saying had an amazing first year and a half of NCD. Yeah. First year, fucking whoa! Like this yeah. is <laughs> this is Rag a, Week. Rag, well, we COVID happened the week before Rag Week, so oh, we didn't never it? got okay. our. We never. My first and last Rag Week was this year. Oh Jesus! So that? frustrating. <laughs> um, but no, we had a great year in the first year, and you meet some great heads. At first it was a bit intimidating because I like that. You know, I. I even though I've, I guess you could say oh, a little bit. Oh, I see, whatever, you know. Mm. Oh, where's that Martins. A lot of my friends would have been all the same friends I had from school, from kind of North, you know, cool like Clare or whatever, Donegade. And um, when you went to NCD, you're meeting all these super cool people as well, and you're kind of like, what the fuck, like you know. Mm-hmm. But you realise that everyone's just there for the same reasons to just have a bit of fun yeah. and, and do their art, and, and and you kind of you you don't, don't judge as many people by the by, by the bought by the cover. You know, it's kind of you just sort of get stuck in. Hmm. Um, and I think we all kind of gel as, as well as a year by after Christmas. And then when COVID happened, it was a stinker. Yeah,
0: that's annoying.
1: Yeah. And then we went into our second year. So I went into graphic design. The whole year was online.
0: The whole year. The See, whole I, I actually year. was, I remember talking about this. I was talking about this with my mum, actually. And I was just like, I could not imagine doing NCAD, particularly now if it was doing painting or something like that, but we couldn't even imagine doing yeah. graphic design all online. Because you need that, you need a teacher to go like, and you probably know with, you know, teachers like JP walking by, you're doing something shit. And it's like, change that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And you send sending a, a big stream of, e- of emails over a day yeah, yeah. and it's like, you get nothing done. And I think we, as a year, were really, they didn't realize because we all went then. So after second year, it was third year. So a lot of us went on Erasmus. Mm. So I went to Valencia. I was like, "Yo, yup, fuck it. Like, I'm going to go there. Didn't know where I was as a designer because I knew it technically wasn't there. Mm. I know I, there's a, there a lot of stuff in second year, man. I was almost dropping out and joining the fucking army or something. Yep. You know, I was like... <laughs> the army! I, yeah, my, I was like, I want to... Comp- I, I, was, I was so... I went from my PlayStation to my computer <laughs> to my phone, and that was the rotation, and I was so hateful of screens mm. by the... And I was like, I just want to do something. They literally... they Most of those books are from COVID of me just trying to get away from a screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Was, they, they couldn't teach us the way because obviously, when you're doing a book, you need to print it, you need to see what it's like on paper. You, know, all you these need kind to feel of it, things. you need to feel it. All that stuff matters so much. And then when we came into, so we kind of came into final year and it was almost like our first year. Yeah, I'd
0: say it was. I'd say it was kind of like, oh shit.
1: <laughs> oh shit. And they realized as well, I think these guys don't know as much as they should. As they should. And they, they kind of didn't realize, oh fuck, these guys actually. And a lot of people found it hard. Um so my best so a couple of my best friends as well. They, they were in there and they were like, Jesus. And we all kind of went, fuck, we, we need to pull our trousers up here. And mm. the luckily our first thing that we did was the ISTD. Oh, the book thing. The book thing. I yeah.
0: didn't uh, for whatever bizarre reason, I didn't do the ISTD. I did something else. I can't remember why it was probably just me being lazy to be honest. But um <laughs> that's that's a fantastic learning curve. Oh yeah, man. that's the annoying thing is I remember seeing students that did that. And then compared to the students that didn't do it. And the difference in their typography skills afterwards was insane. Insane. And yeah. And you'd be quite a strong typography student. So that makes sense that you did do that. So, Well, that was a
1: massive learning curve for would, me. Would
0: you have, would you have been, would you fuck, fuck with type quite a bit beforehand yeah. or you would?
1: Well, I, I always liked, I would have liked the idea to fuck with type. Okay. <laughs> and I couldn't handle it. And it wasn't through doing that, that I was able to handle it by the end. With, with, um, with that ISD book, I guess... Well, I'll tell you this first, right? Right. In second year, there was a project, that, because it all kind of led to this. So there was a project that I did. So now one said it was all online and fit in second year, that was kind of a lie. Okay. In the first semester, there was a bit of a hybrid in the week. So two days you'd be on campus. And in them two days, you had a Monday and Tuesday, you'd go in, but you'd only be there for like the morning to the afternoon you got to go okay. because of the COVID regulations. Yeah. So we we had a project called The Wonder of the Liberties. Oh. So we had to team up with someone so me and a other sort of guy called Dom Hall McCullon, real Irish name. Okay, yeah, um, don't know. He's a great tattoo artist as well. I'll say I send you his thing anyway. But Dude. he, we, we, went out to. I picked up thirty five millimeter photography, pretty nice. much that summer, just to get of the house. Not
0: an exp, not an cheap pastime at all.
1: <laughs> not at all. But I got the camera for a steal.
0: Oh, really? Okay. I got the
1: camera for like sixty quid on eBay. Oh, nice. It's it a Olympus OM10. Oh, lovely. Fucking I don't know
0: beautiful. what that is.
1: <laughs> beautiful camera. Beautiful okay. camera. Um, but the film and getting developed nightmare. Yeah, no, it's it's.
0: I, I did it once. and I was like, "Fuck oh, doing yeah. this ever again." Just for the just for the grainy <laughs> sometimes clothes Sometimes you get, get them back; they're just black. And you're like, "God damn it!" <laughs> oh man.
1: Yeah. My first three roles. Luckily, they were just like me on the session and in, in the <laughs> summer, like with my mates and all, in, in the canal at the canal. They all turned out fucking blank. <laughs> but luckily, by second year, by the time I got in, I figured out how mm-hmm. to load the, the film properly. But anyway, so we'd always kind of like seen. These lads, like you would have been, you would have seen yourself, the lads and the horses around the Liberties, mm. you know, and, and we kind of felt like that was a very strong part of the Liberties of identity, you know, it was like...
0: Oh, it, yeah, it for sure is. Yeah. yeah. There's something about it, like you kind of, it's kind of weird, like I don't like using that like time capsule term or whatever, but there's something when you get on the Liberties, you just like, you know, you're in it. It's, oh, yeah. It's kind of a cool... There's just that vibe to it. It's, it's like the yeah. last
1: bastion of like, I guess sort of Being a dub. that real like that, dope yeah, that culture, yeah, yeah. you know, and and we just sort of like that. I mean, that was a real fucking good shy talk as well. We just <laughs> went around, we found a few of the lads we started chatting. So we were like, do you mind if we kind of just document a day in your life? You know,
0: See, we had to do something similar to this project, but the problem is, is that I come in with a big, thick D4 accent, and they just go "fuck off." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But that I was super nervous as well. I was like, "Can you help me?"
1: Can you... Hello, sir. Yeah. Hi. I'm supposed to give a project here for an yeah. NCAD, uh, but we yeah, we just kind of went to them. We're just like, "All right, bro, yeah, Warren. Uh, I put on a bit of the no more the cooler accent." and now we just, we just started shooting photographs of them and we just, you just do what you do and he had stables you know where it's you no know, vicar street there's like a little stables there to that, yeah, leads yeah, onto no, that kind yeah. of football thing by the flats so we were like look we'll give you the photographs we'll even print them out for you we friend and them give it to your grandma put on the wall they were like you up there you fucking yeah. grandma love that christmas was coming up as well so we just <laughs> did that and then we put together like a little zine and it was just me and his photography black and white photography and it was just, there was very little typography in it because we didn't really know much about typefaces or good fonts. And no. I was aware of that as well. I didn't want to, I knew, I knew the type was going to be shite. So I went, we'll keep it. The photos were strong enough. Um, so that was called Fifth Generation. So your man, Warren, and it was his friend, Adam, as well. Um, but the guy, Warren, like, that was the, he was a fifth um, generation of his family to so own horses and, and liberties. Oh, wow. Okay. he's lucky find. This is it. I mean, yeah. it was well, there's a f- funny story behind that. We'd actually... We're asking around, couldn't find couldn't find the right guy, but everyone was kind of saying, Oh, you want to speak to this guy? Ended up going to a shop. I must've been. I were mean, buying a can of coke, a little bit like, geez, will we ever find this guy? And went to the the, the one behind the counter, do you know who we could talk to around here? We heard there's a guy in Smithfield who owns a horse or not. And he goes, Yeah, got his number. And she Sam. went, speak to him. And he just threw the threw the phone <laughs> across the counter. <laughs> I love and, and like that, <laughs> I was amazing. like uh hello like uh, my, my name's connor from the bbc <laughs> i'm just like how are you man i'm connor from ncd and it was his dad and he was like what and i had to repeat it again oh we're just doing a project something. and i went he went oh yeah grand i'll send the to you now in about half an hour yeah so <laughs> literally met him and uh, he was lovely guy uh and and we just yeah took the photographs and that that kind of started that it was like a small little zine um about the horse culture but I really liked that idea of stories, Helen, through photography, mm. and just keeping it raw. It was all just raw. There was no effects in the photos. It was just like pff. he shot on digital, I shot on film, but you could barely tell. Yeah. Um. The, it was all black and white, and we, we printed it out with the newspaper club. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was a big broadsheet, um, you know, kind of newspaper uh, zine. And I guess from there, I I I, re- I loved doing that. Um. So I guess like it's so that kind of so then leads to the ISTD. Yeah. The book that I, I was like, well, I've got one year of college I want to get better at typography I want to get better at this but I know I enjoy this as well this element of photography and storytelling and talking about things that I cannot necessarily care. well yeah, I do care about them but like it's like the with the horses I don't own horses hmm. I haven't got a personal attachment to the horse culture in Smithfield but I respect the I respect it you know and it's yeah. like even like that with the subcultures in England the, the skins the mods I'm not a mod. I'm not a skin but I respect it and I'm fascinated by it and I think it's that them stories should be told and, and and should be celebrated, and I went in, but I know people complain about the horses saying like you know they shouldn't be in town or well, maybe they shouldn't be. I'm not there to disagree with that either. I yeah, just yeah. want to capture it Captured, yeah. and, and oh, tell it. That. Um, so when with the ISD, it was more of a personal thing because I was trying to move out at the time and I couldn't find accommodation anywhere. But I was seeing like all these abandoned and derelict buildings in Dublin, and I was like, what's the fuck Yeah, on? there's quite a lot of them. Yeah, I was like, what's the crack with this? How is there so many? a you know, very, you know, tightly condensed city. Why is there? Why are these houses and the way these buildings are being used? And you find out they're all owned by these rich landlords in the UK and all that. One guy
0: from the Luxembourg that owns like two hundred of them, I think, Fuck or something, man. something. Say, and then the ones that he owns, he has like twelve or fourteen. I remember re- I read an article about a reason he's like twelve or fourteen people in the one beckon house. This kind of crazy, stupid shit. Jesus, nuts, but yeah. horrible. Why do you think I'm still here? <laughs> this is on according my family hill with the it's I'm, crazy money. I saw one recently where I was trying. it was uh, they said it was an apartment and I was like, uh, "All right. Uh can you show me a photo of it?" And it was a prefab in someone's backyard and I was like, "That's not an apartment." Yeah,
1: like <laughs> this is the current state that we are. I'm yeah. I'm 25 now and it's like I want to move out, it's impossible yeah, to it's do impossible, it. It's impossible, yeah. And I and then I guess that kind of but, but, but I'm lucky I've got a roof over my head. Mm. I'm like yourself, we've got a roof over our head, and I appreciate that, and, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and I, around that time, I'd kind of chosen the day of the buildings as a, as a topic to go into for my ISD and to discuss. But I don't know if you've heard a group called the uh, the Revolutionary Housing League. No. So they're sort of like a far left.
0: They weren't the guys that did the protest recently, did they?
1: They're always doing protests. Okay, yeah. well
0: they did a mad one where they had like a banner hung over something they were taking. Y- yeah. Yeah, 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 that's them. Okay,
1: yeah, that's them. Now they're <laughs> quite a big group of, I guess, different people in and out in the group. Mm. I don't know if it's like a certain particular leader, um, but they had they, they were doing a, um, a protest, but it was like a camping protest on Skills Street in Liberties. Okay, and I walked past it one day and I was like, Jesus, these guys, and I had known about them before that. And I was like, I the story. I just went up and started chatting to them. And um, this lady called Ashley Hudson, who was a member for the people before Prophet right. in Arklow. I'm pronouncing that right, Arklo? Arclo, yeah, Arklow, you got it. yeah, Don't spot worry. on. <laughs> uh, and she was just like saying, "Look, look, we t- we took over a couple of buildings there that were fully, um, sound, had people in, it had light and heating, and we are, we've, I've been homeless myself over the years. I've suffered with this, but." I know a lot of people who are still homeless and they're out on the streets. It's winter, freezing cold. Mm. They're dying on the streets. We can't wait for the government any longer. We're just going to go and take that building over and house people. Now, obviously, I guess for you bureaucracy, that isn't probably going to work in the long run. But I respect (laughs) the fact that they would have taken that initiative and just doing it. Mm. And um, I was like, well, can I come back and interview you and, and just capture my photography as well what you're doing here and she was like be delighted because all to you know they don't they're not yeah, speaking of course, to Yeah
0: because yeah they're meant to yeah <laughs> they're not they didn't even acknowledge them
1: yeah and then so i so i sort of uh the same way with the horses i went there with a the camera i was like just observed took my photographs very raw and did an interview with her as well got information about her life because like, i guess like that with the housing crisis and all as well and people who were actually feeling at the worst you know, you can you can read a million essays, or you can ask fucking AI now for their yeah. opinions on it. But really, to talk about something like that, you need to hear it from the horse's mouth. Mm. You need to really go to people who are actually a doing something about it or trying to do something about it, um, in a different way, and also who are living it firsthand. Yeah. So,
0: no, like like my dad now, he he will go out on Tuesdays or Wednesdays and feed the homeless. Like he'll make sandwiches and go out and give them to them and stuff. I've done it with him once or twice and some of the stories you hear like it's only when you actually hear them off somebody I remember we met a doctor a guy who used to be a doctor or something who's living on the street this crazy stuff you're kind of like this is insane just how quickly your life can go from having a house and stuff to just bang you're gone Yeah, you know you're stuck and then you're stuck you're permanently stuck and you can't get a job because you don't have a house it's a whole ordeal Absolute and then if nightmare. you go up to try and stay in one of these hostels you're on the risk of getting all your stuff robbed off you and just the, all the the, well, the, the pr- problems that come come with it is insane yeah
1: that's the thing i mean i remember that at the same time and there wasn't there was a hunger strike on o'connell street for a month
0: oh was that the one it was like the, they were situated in the middle of it yeah weren't they? Yeah, yeah i remember we, that we have
1: the tents no no not all of them i think two of the lads that they, they were they were doing the hunger strike and other homeless people had joined as kind of in solidarity, mm. and they'd all put the tents up. So I spoke to them as well, and there was a lady there, um, called Roshian and now she was only, I think, a couple of years older than me. Um, and she was from Galway, and she had left Galway because she was getting domestically abused by a partner. Now she was heavily pregnant when I met her, mm. and yes. I swear to God, she I was like, Jesus, are you not, you're not, you're not meant to be on the street? You know, you're camping here in con Street, like, and she said, Well, I, I came here. Seeking refuge from being abusely abused in Galway, oh, Jesus uh, and and all they could do was um, send me to a hostel. But in that hostel, everyone's you know everyone's up. shooting
0: up, yeah. Everyone shooting yeah.
1: up. I, I I don't want to step on a needle, on a needle, you know. So it's safer for me to be on the streets. And she was, and I guess as well, it's a very bad stigma where everyone's, everyone thinks that when someone's homeless, they're obviously on drugs. No. This this lady was is. Uh, sober and and a lot of and and it's like sitting there pregnant I think it's seven months pregnant seconds like, like fucking like re- re- really heavily heavily on and um she found it to be safer on the streets and um she allowed me to interview her as well and that was all part of of the ISD book mm. which was to tell their story with the photography as well and I guess then I also, well, I also wanted to make my own kind of like input, I guess. So I, with the letterpress, the silver's press, and density, did some letter, did a series of letterpress po- uh, posters, just black and white, very simple to the point, and I put them up. Um, like, were, they just, were they
0: just text? Were they or? just text? Lovely, yeah.
1: Just, just text on on white paper, it was like a monkin rough paper, and um, put them up then, in um, on on the way to Emma. There's a there's a road there. I think it's say Irwin Street. I'm getting it right, but I think they're still up there actually today. Oh, really? They're nice. Still up, but they're all weathered now. <laughs> yeah, but they they look good. But like, I guess I wanted to just put them put them up somewhere, and I also scanned them in, and they were also in the book. So that was an element.
0: Is, is it the is that the road along where Block T is the um the studio? It used to be a paintball place. Oh, I'm is it not that too road? sure. It's okay.
1: like it's like, a, it's like a it's like a there's a blue wall. It's like it's like a blue kind of um, uh, it's like a building. Buildings are like. They put a wall up to protect the buildings. Like,
0: oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like
1: that kind of game. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I know exactly. I know where it is. Yeah, I do know where it is.
1: <laughs> I'll check him out if you're walking yeah, by. I, will. I have
0: a reason to go to Emma this week. <laughs> there you go. Literally on the way to yeah, Emma. There we go.
1: <laughs> um, but they were also in the book as well, and that was kind of part of it. Now, my first draft of the ISD book typographically was dog shit. Okay. And I was going like i I love Swiss typography. I love this kind of modernist, kind of clean. Yeah approach
0: big fan of Helvetica big fan <laughs> <laughs> Literally.
1: Uh, but I was trying to do that and and it looks so easy but it's not yeah. it's so hard because you got to get the grids and the higher everything matters so much and I did my first draft and I knew deep inside me it was shite as well <laughs> and JP was like typography <laughs> and that's fucking shite
0: that is one of the worst JP impressions I have ever
1: <laughs> she's like hi oh, now you're fucking I you're hope all top I no, you're to all God he hears. <laughs> you're, you're all fucking talk <laughs> literally what he was like and even Bobby Tannum who's one of the best type designers in Ireland he was like he came over and looked at the like spread and he goes that looks like shit man
0: yeah I was never good at typography either and every time you ha- you think you have a clean it's so frustrating to they go it's, like
1: no <laughs> yeah, yeah and and I was like, I know, I know, but I was like, how can I improve? See, this?
0: I used to, I, I did the thing where you, I would justify it to the bottom, so it was just like, they're all lied, and it's like, don't do that, that's terrible, yeah, <laughs> bad practice.
1: <laughs> like, and it's like, I was kind of like scared of grids at first, you're like, but well, grids yeah. actually end up helping you out a lot. No,
0: there's a reason why you, there's a reason we are told to use them. <laughs>
1: exactly, you can hang things off them. It's yeah. like part of the structure, and I learned a lot for that book. And I did, I did a second draft then, but i had already, so I, I kind of submitted that for christmas and then the idea was and for iscd we'd do it again because we get the feedback mm. but then we were already starting then by christmas time our final degree show stuff oh really okay so by christmas we had an idea what we were going to do
0: were we doing it? oh we would have been doing it by christmas as well yeah
1: we just start on it so we had to do like a and it was gas so he kind of just sprung that i said like, oh no As a like, oh by the way a massive part of your greatest semester would be your research document for your final year stuff <sighs> and we were like what <laughs> we <were> like "Huh?" <laughs> Like we yeah, just doing it the. It up
0: on you as well. Yeah. You'd be surprised how quickly those months go.
1: <laughs> Literally, so but but thank God we I learned so much by that book where I didn't have a real system in it. I didn't really have like a, a the grid was a bit shite, um, and I was like i but I just knew okay well when I do my final year stuff mm. I won't do that again I won't do this again but I will do that and I will do that so I kind of went into that final year stuff a lot a lot better. And I, and I thank God as well. One of my friends that I met in Valencia, this German guy, yeah. he came over during Paddy's days. This is a bit of a bit, bit forward here, but it but it works. <laughs> and I was kind of showing him my work, and he went, "Say, hey, I was using this typeface. like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool,' but but this typeface is much better. And he gave me this really fucking nice typeface called Sun.
0: That's the one you used in the project. The one yeah. I used. Yeah, it, and he, it's gorgeous. I was looking at it oh, and I was like, Where did, where did you get that? Well, this is it.
1: It's it's like a 4,000 euro typeface. What? Yeah. The whole family costs 4,000 euro. Oh, my God. There's a grotesque. There's a oh mono. God. There's like a, a Breton. And, and then there's also like this kind of elong version. Like, I think when I first started out in design, I assumed that like instantly I'm going to create gold. Mm. Every, the first draft of everything is going to be perfect, and it's just not. Yeah. And your teachers will say to I'm see it call over and over. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Like I'm the fucking bees knees, yeah. and it really wasn't until you realised for yourself that okay, for every good piece that you have, there's about thirty shit ones before it. Mm. You know, design shit until it's not. Yeah, it's as simple as that. That was
0: one of the things that I, that I, it took me a long time to get used to. It was mainly was Brennan DC still there when you were there? Brennan D.C. I don't think he is. was he illustration maybe maybe he was a, maybe yeah. illustration now he's a fantastic uh, fantastic designer he's from uh, the UK he, he has some great stories about growing up in the punk scene over but, you know, he, was, but he, he had this thing about notebooks he was like you have to have notebooks and you can't go with your first idea and it mm. used to drive me up the wall the yeah. fact that you couldn't just go so why can't I just go with the first idea sometimes it's good and it's like it's never good yeah. you have to yeah. you have to work it through to something more tangible and more kind of
1: you know <laughs> you've got to develop it yeah and it's the same for like a spread in a book or a poster you know like you just even like the poster that i end up making for the final degree show and mm. i know this is probably going into that now but it's like yeah it's like that poster is just typography now the thing that i realized as well keeping things clean and simple especially when you're doing Swiss type you can elevate them by what materials what paper how you print it how you finish it up, the end mm. result of, And I think with me as well being that co generation, everything that we did was through the screen, ended on the screen. Where with the posters, I had 30 versions before that where I had like photography in it. I had a load of text and it was just not working. And there was only one part that I that I liked and that was the, the date on the poster. Mm. And that kind of came through in the last few drafts. I mean, I liked that. And I liked it because it was just clean. Yeah, It was just... The typography and it was standing out above everything else. Even though it was so simple, that stood out more than the beautiful photography on it. Mm. Um, and I just kind of explored that more. And then, as a first draft again, and it was like I had some small like eight-point text on it, and it was just too small. Like, Why don't I just make this into a series of like five posters, mm. spread it out? And I did that, and then they were just very simple typographic posters. But then, okay, well, how can you elevate it? Well, let's do it on. Let's put them on black paper. And then with the silver embossment powder that I had to so do, they were all Rhizo printed. Yeah. And then the silver.
0: I did, that's The first time I saw the silver, I was just like, God, how did you do that? And then you told me you had the Rhizo studio. I was like, God damn it. We didn't have that yeah. one when we were there. <laughs> and
1: it, yeah. And honestly, the Rhizo was great. Great. Yeah, it's so crisp
0: cream. looking. There's, and it has that, the, like it has like a thick almost layer to it as well. It just has that kind of more.
1: Bumps off. Ooh, yeah, it's great. Um, and that was like, literally, that's just like the, this embossment. Now, by the way, I tried different embossment powders. The only one that, that works is—it's literally called the world's greatest embossment powder.
0: Okay, that's an—that's an advertisement, in its and own. it does what it says in the tin.
1: <laughs> they weren't lying.
0: Well, 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 what was with the other ones? Were they just—they were they smudged? They, yeah, they just... didn't
1: have—they went when you heat, so when you heat—you heat that powder on the wet ink. Yeah. Right, and on the other ones, it just did. not Now it came across a little bit more grittier, mm. a little bit more. But I wanted that I mean, clean. Yeah. It... That, that brand just does it just does the job. Hmm. So we got more of that. Um, and I guess uh, there's more of a conceptual reason behind it um, that I'll go into in a bit when I talk about the starters yeah. and all that. But, like, yeah, the then post is really just through doing a million shit ones first, you kind of land on that. I and mean, it was a lot more simple than the first drafts, but it works, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, like, obviously you mentioned your project there. So I came across you because I saw the article what was the, first, was the first article in The Times? or?
1: Yeah, it was The Times. The Times yeah.
0: yeah, so I remember seeing it. And I, as, as I said to you when we were downstairs, it was actually the Distillers Press the first time I saw it. I was like, I, I recognize that. And then I read it and was like, oh, wow. So I would have been aware. I first heard of the Stardust Fire when I was, I think I was nine. I remember a friend of mine's mum was going to it. She said she was going to it and she got too drunk before she went, so she couldn't go. Yeah. But I remember just thinking, going like, how the hell has there not been, and I was like nine or 12, it was the 2006 inquest mm. was the first time. And then seeing it again and again and again and again, I was just like, it is one of the biggest kind of what the hell is going on. And then seeing your work as as in what the hell is going on, like how is this not being, you know, fully finished now, this inquest and have they not got peace and stuff. But then seeing your project, I was like, I was really genuinely I was blown away. As I said to you, I went to, went to see the exhibition, saw the video in person. I couldn't finish the video. Um, I was bawling my eyes out, genuinely couldn't finish. It. And then the books, was reading through them, but didn't want to get tears on the books. But uh, <laughs> it, it really was a very, very impactful project. Thank you very so I'm just much. wondering what, uh, like, I, I know why. So th- this is the part where I'm going to ask you questions that I know the answer to. But yeah. uh, what, what, what made you want to pick that as your final year project?
1: Well, so this is the thing, you know, so my family on my Irish side, um, they're all from edamore so they were a family of eight the mac dermots and um, and three of my grandma's children so my two uncles and one auntie died in the fire yeah. that night Um, and i guess me growing up as a kid even in england i'd always hear my mum talking about it because i like that you know it's been a, 42 years yeah. been a very long battle for it to get in back into the courts and you'd always hear about things in the background. So it was always kind of a part of my life in a way, even though I didn't, I, I wasn't um, yeah, you were there when it happened. it wasn't yeah. born, but it's always been around me in a way, you know. And I guess I'll cut, cut a long story short. When it got to the point where we had to figure out what we were going to do, I was also saying to my friends, because the, the new inquest yeah. was due to start in April, the end of April yeah, of was, this year. It was
0: one in 2019,
1: wasn't there? So uh, what happens in 2018... Yeah. That was when Sinn Féin got involved um, and they, Mary Lou and uh, Lynn Boylan, they all backed the families of the Stardust yeah, and said, so we're going to support you. Yeah. And a, a, a lawyer firm from Belfast called Phoenix Law, who were amazing, they've worked with Bloody Sunday, Hillsborough, hmm. they also came on board and they came up with the Truth Campaign. Yeah,
0: because the Hillsborough had just got confirmation that they were going to open the inquest again, didn't they? And then there was also the... It was the Greenfall Towers also there in Quest Open? yeah. So there, there, was a lot of
1: yeah. A lot of that was going on, and and I think as well, it was like they, they've delayed it for so long, the mm. Irish government, because it's such a, it's like too many heads at a time, and even up until recently it would have had to have rolled, and even mm. now it's all kind of coming out because it wasn't just like Mm. the Irish government it was like the people who owned the fucking the the club but also then the the corporation who didn't check the club and yeah
0: and then why the club was filled with so many stuff that was would go on fire instantly there's all this yeah there's a whole I even even saw one thing that I I didn't even it was one of those kind of tidbits that I heard off this podcast I was listening to that they were saying that the Stardust fire happened, and then six months later, the tr- the troubles probably properly, ki- properly yeah. kicked off, and it kind of almost took the it, the, yeah. the um you know the the, 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 the dialogue way, yeah, yeah. the dialogue away from it. It's, it's it's all these kind of bizarre circumstances that just kept it going and going and going. It is it's it's it's, a, mean, it's, it's incredible with incredible and an indictment on the government, to be honest, that it hasn't. Been
1: well, finished. the one thing They're about not, this country is, I mean, I love Ireland, and it's a beautiful country, and like. Jim Fitzpatrick, who I'll talk about later on, is a survivor of stardust. Like he always says, "He's incredible." Ireland's a beautiful, fucking emerald country, Mm. right? But we have this beautiful green rug, and we take everything and we sweep it under it. Fucking yeah. And this country is such a brutal history, Um, and and up until recently, still, it's there's still a lot of pain and, and, and suffering in this country, and it's so hard for us to talk about and to handle that we tend to just as a nation go to the pub and yeah and drink it and drink, you know, and we kind of park that shit yeah. and you get over it but and that, you move on. Even
0: watching, even that, that uh, the I had just finished a document because I have, I've been trying to research my stuff so I don't come across like, you know, I want to know exactly, but there was a lot of people turned to alcohol, obviously, like I I would imagine it's a very traumatic thing mm. to have survived, but some people just refuse flat out to, to completely talk. People that were there just will not talk about it and stuff yeah. like that, the impact that it had on people. Well, it is a very kind of, Irish thing sometimes to just kind of go, just...
1: It we- completely decimated the area of Kulak and Artane yeah, and did, the north yeah. side. And like, we were in, a, we were, so this is actually the day we were picked, the, 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 the day that the families and the um, Phoenix Law were picking the jury mm. at Crow Park. So this would have been mid-April, um, just before the inquest started. And um, we were in a taxi, me, my mum, Louise McDermott, Louise Leach, yeah. and it's McDermott. We were going in a taxi from coolock to um the uh, Crow Park. And on the way we were chanting a taxi driver and he was like, Oh, so where are you going, girls? And all this kind of stuff. And they just turned and said, Well look, we're actually going for the start of the um did the, the pick and the jury for the for the inquest for the stardust. And his face and his whole demeanor just changed. And he went, um, oh right, yeah, well, I was actually there that night. Oh Jesus. And we were then I mean anyone, Oh Jesus, where are you? Like, um, sorry to hear and he was like yeah, my, my wife actually got called up for the jury duty herself. Oh. But he said she can do it. Conflict of interest? She went, or... she, went, she, she he, he just said that she won't do it because we can't dig all that shit up again.
0: Oh, Jesus. I think there's 800 people at it that year, uh, that, uh, on that yeah. night, I think. Yeah.
1: And and that's the thing. It wasn't even oversold or anything like that. It was just the doors were all chained shut. Yeah. And the the lights went out and, you know, yeah. you, you know it, it was that... That's what happened. And it, and I think people, it changed their lives it, it, in such a big way that it was like that. It was just, and because it was a very marginalised area, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't have the voice that we have today with social media and they didn't have a lot of the education to try and pursue and, and battle the, the the states and the butlies. So it, they, they just had to park it. And mm-hmm. I guess some people could do it better than others. And some people, unfortunately, like that 48 died in the night, but 25 committed suicide after.
0: Ooh, I did not know that.
1: You know, it, it was it was really Ooh. a decimating thing for the community. And I think now, I mean, my grandma's eighty seven now. So mm. like she's also getting old. I think it would just be for everyone there now. And I and I, and I look at us, they don't even think of it about themselves now. They just kind of see as we're doing that's we're doing this for our loved ones, our friends who died that night. But I'm I'm amazed and blown away by them as people. Mm. And for me, I wanted to try and highlight them as well. And say so you, you guys have been doing this for forty-two years, and haven't stopped, and haven't stopped, yeah. and has been, and they've had to battle, and they've been put down so many times, and they've had to get back up again. They've been so many lies they've been told by TDs and lawyers, promises, but and even they've all today been destroyed. I was
0: reading an article that some guy that worked there is, is his. The statement that is coming out now is, is is entirely different to his one on the night. It's yeah. something about to do with the keys to the door, about who gave him the keys, oh. saying that it was open and stuff. And you are just like, lads, but just one of you just tell the fucking truth yeah. about what's got, what happened.
1: And that's it. They just want the truth. Yeah. And I think, so when I, when I was in college um, last Christmas, and so I, was, I was saying to my friends, I was like, look, you know, at the same time as my submission dates, my family, and I'm going to have to support them as well. Because they're going to be the 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 new inquest will start for the start mm. and they were all like, some of them were like, "Wow, fucking, hell, it's going to be intense now." It's like, "I know, I know," and then a lot of them they would be like, "Oh, what the hell is a starter?"
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you because um, I was going to, I ha- I actually haven't written. I don't like check my phone for questions the whole time, but um, one of the questions was, did did a lot, of, did most people know what it was when you pitched it Didn't as have the a idea?
1: Didn't have a clue. A lot of them, and I'm not just saying like, oh, like the South, I mean, people on the South side, a lot of people. A lot of people were there from the south side that night. Yeah, people were there from Derry, you know.
0: That's the, the amount of northern accents in the documentaries that come up every so often as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, it was devastating for a lot of people uh, all over the country, and I think. Yeah, but there was that thing, though, where a lot of people just didn't know about it. And people even from the north side, didn't. they knew about it, but they assumed it had been resolved. Yeah. Um, they assumed, well, surely that's been sorted out by now because it kind of crops up every now and again in the media over yeah. there.
0: But that was my understanding of it recently. I was like, surely, because I remember there was the, the very public, you know, the, it was like, we've got, finally got some positive news. And then recently I saw it again and then saw your project. I was like, how has this not been fucking sorted out? How is yeah. yeah.
1: And I think, so I, I kind of found myself sort of repeatedly, telling people what it was mm. and I was also sort of trying to think about what I was going to do but it was almost so obvious that I, I never kind of put those two parts of my life together and I went well well fuck me like if why I'm a visual communicator why don't I try and communicate this to my peers mm. and not only my peers but to the general public and people across the world because now we are in that age where what you do yeah. now can reach other countries and um, that was it pretty much I was like and if it, and luckily I'm in a position where I don't. I think if I wasn't related to, if, if it wasn't my family involved, I would I'd be too scared to get, touch it.
0: Yeah, it would be kind of, I'm not sure of the word, it just wouldn't have the same kind of, I think it, if it has a kind of a personal connection to it, it makes that kind of a little bit easier to really d- delve straight into it. This is it it'd be yeah. very
1: hard to, like how would you, I mean, it was very hard even asking my mom and my aunties and all, because I never spoke to them about that before. But I actually, it's funny, because I, I teamed up for the video. There were students from Clash and Okay. Film students Um. And they were amazing. And, and they, they, we, we had a mutual friend and they asked me if, they, uh, um, if you wanted to collaborate or if they could interview through me, my mom and all that. Mm. And I said, well, look, I'm actually doing a book, but I would love to interview them as well and have a video piece. So we teamed up on the video and they all the, they all the, the, the equipment and the gear. And then I kind of then asked, I composed the interviews. Yeah. Um, and then they made their own film with that. And then I made my own cut as well. But we had about six hours of content. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And it was all fucking like really raw. And I had never sat down with my mom and my auntie, and even with Jamie before, who's a friend of the family, with a clipboard of questions and gone, right, B's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah run me through the whole lot. And we started off just talking about what it was like growing up in North Dublin in the 80s. And a lot of them said it was amazing. Mm. We had nothing, but we loved it. We had each other. Real sense of community. You heard the story a million times, yeah. You could the back the back door was open, the front door was open. It was like yeah, very loving community. Um, but then that happened, you know? And I think uh through doing that interviews with them, I learned a lot more about it. And I think in a weird way it was almost kinda of like therapy. Yeah. Like, for my mom as well.
0: I um I know I get that. And one of the things that I found kind of bizarre about doing a video because I, I did a video project for my final projects. I'm not gonna talk about don't worry, I'm not gonna steal your thunder, but um <laughs> I did a, I did a video project as well and it was it was to do with mental health awareness and to see how deep people are able to get and kind of in front of the camera, you really go like, holy shit, like it is yeah. it's
1: it's it's heavy. Yeah. I mean there's a part where my mom's talking about that night.
0: And you have to kinda of, as an interview, you kinda of have to remain, you know. Stern, in, in, as stern well. yeah, and kinda of, yeah. composed. It's, it's, it's rough.
1: And I, 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 she, I just said, look, one of the questions was, if you can talk me through that day from the beginning. Ooh, and remember, be Louis, my mum just went off and talked and then she was fine. And then she started talking about the morning after when they re- she realised they weren't coming home. Mm. And when Willie was found first, because he was 20, he, he was 20, he was the older brother. Yeah, but he had gone back into the fire.
0: That's that's the part that made me go. Oh, that's that's the part that made me go like yeah. out out in the hall. Like, and my like, mum yeah. was
1: crying then, and I was like yeah. trying to hold it together because I was trying to be the interviewee. And all the cat, I know, the lads from Deal, they were sitting there like, oh gee, like we were all like, te- you could feel the pressure in the room. Yeah, but you know, fair play to my mum, like she really told us, she told it as best as she could and, and, and amazingly clear. And she just said, look, um, he was the oldest brother. You realised that his it's his two youngest siblings went it went out. It was
0: a sister and a brother, wasn't sister it? Sister and a brother. Yeah.
1: So Marcella was sixteen. Mm. She lied to her to my grandma and all that night and said that she was going to go babysitting. Oh, for God's sake. But me 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 auntie Selena, she'd be the youngest. She'd she was she was like a little like best mate, you know. Mm. She put out her clothes in the alleyo that night. And then Marcella then took them and then went oh. to her friends' house, got changed, and then went to the stardust. And then uh, George, he was 18. He was on his first date that night. So he bought his fresh shirt and tie. Oh, for God's sake. He went and um, basically, Willie actually got out of the fight. He actually got out three times. But when he realized the day he went out, he went back in. But when he went back in, he had to kind of like wrestle himself because obviously it was mayhem. Yeah. And um, he he inhaled so much of the smoke because they were saying that the fumes that were coming out were pretty much like it was like, it was like cyanide. Yeah, you know,
0: it's because the ceiling and stuff, and the chemicals, and the in and the, the, yeah. the furniture and everything. Yeah, it was horrendous. I actually heard that the fire sounded so loud that you actually could barely hear anything on top of that as well. So it's just a whole, yeah,
1: what well, is it? I mean, the the specials, the the the, the and the specials. Specials were there in, the, the be, month to the, the day, the month before to yeah. the day. And when you read the reports of that in the in the book that was written that I referenced actually in my yeah. book, they they had a sound system in there, right? That was way too. Way too powerful for the electric system that they have in Stardust, mm. and they all the electrics in the Stardust were fitted by an apprentice. And they that at that gig at the Star, at that gig the specials gig in the Stardust, people could see purple sparks on the roof. There's
0: about seven guys in the specials as well. Do you know what I mean? So required. That's a mm. lot of power going into those systems and everything as well. Insane. I I did see the sparks thing that there was apparently like very very easily to spot just sparks flicking out of the top yeah. of the the top of the uh, top of the and then you have to bear in mind that they had these giant drapes everywhere as well that shut off the size of the rooms and stuff and yokes yeah. yeah and
1: yeah. It had grade free carpet on the on the on the yeah on the walls yeah it's and the carpet tiles
0: second couches were covered in PVC something f- filled with foam that apparently light on that oh, it just, it just f- make it go went up. up yeah
1: um and I, and like so what has happened and I guess as well. People, when you talk about these things that we are now, you go, wow, it's so obvious. Like how? Would, um, but people don't realize those those little facts. Very um, little
0: fire safety regulations at the time and all that kind of carry on too. And well, then the fire brigade didn't have enough stuff to combat it at the same time as well. So
1: this is it. But the funny thing is though, the Dublin Corporation had visited the Stardust twenty five times in the year before the fire for complaints. They, they they'd visit. Apparently, this guy called, uh, I think it was Martin and Okay. Right, he was go in there to check on the electrics In the the silver swan was next door to Stardust. Mm. And he also would run through the Stardust and have a look. And on his visit, he'd see that there was fire exits that were obstructed, whether it be with chains or whether it would be with, they um, would have like movable season, mm. they'd be next to a fire exit. The the, the, the fire exit uh, green lights that'd be above the doors, they weren't working. Mm. And he'd report these continuously to the butleries and he'd say, "Oh, yeah, next time won't be there, won't be there." And it'd always be there, but that wasn't his job necessarily. He was just there to check on these other things. But he made the complaints, so the corporation was aware of it. And then also, then as well, um, during the night, the the lights went out. Yeah. And the smoke was it was black smoke, so people couldn't see. If those lights those lights went on, people couldn't see yeah, those lights. Yeah, I was reading really
0: stories where people thinking they were getting to an exit, and they were actually going into a bathroom yeah. because they literally couldn't see anything. Yeah. Um yeah the, but the video that you did like the way that you have it set up is fantastic because like it's it's black and white it just it, it's the bare bones of this it's it's very well put together was that like was that your choice the black and white like, the black the and white was more. so
1: like the guys from D- they made their own film did they, it they, they kept the color yeah but i guess i had this kind of black and white throughout my entire project and the book's all mono black and white yeah the silver is the only part of it that's an element of color um wasn't well, really color but it's like it was the the one i guess for me the silver was a way of Trying to elevate it graphically as well, but also respectfully. So I was trying yeah. to find the right tone.
0: No, I. It, it. There's something very kind of sharp about it. It's. It's. I think it kind of. I think you've. Like. I. I think the project is fantastic. That's to be honest, much. never mind the actual. Um, you know the content of it. Just the actual visibly, it's it's very striking. But you know, was, silver was a very good, very good move.
1: Because like I guess as well, like it, the paper,
0: the paper quality is gorgeous as well on the book and everything. Everything kind of fits into it very well thank you
1: very much and i, and I think the black the, the black choice was well because it's been 42 years of pretty much darkness for the families and the, and, mm. and the survivors the black represents that and the silver in a way is almost like the, the truth and the facts shining out of that darkness mm. and the i made a series of posters like them still the posters yeah we brought those out for the start of the inquest and when they when the sun gleams on the silver it really shines it out up. And I, and I guess it's kind of a bit of a poetic way of looking at it, but it's like that truth is coming yeah, out. Yeah. Um, and the media did pick up on them as well. Was that intentional? That was intentional. That was yeah. intentional. And, I, and also as well, it, when you're making the posters, you have to heat the Yeah, Yeah,
0: well, take us dust. through the process of doing because I've never done it before now. So, I've, so I saw the video of you doing it.
1: You put, so when you you, you print your poster, right? Yeah. I, I posted black ink on the black paper. Now, riser ink never dries, Technically, Oh, okay. Where it dries to a capacity. But when it first comes out, though, it's super wet. So you then put the dust on straight away. And it just comes in like a little canister, a little container. You put it on, you shake it off, but that dust sticks to the ink. Mm. And then you have then your heat gun and you just heat over it. And then as you're heating it, the dust and the ink kind of merge and it creates that embossment. Nice. But it was almost like the heat being used in a way that kind of tells you tell yeah. the story as well. It's like it being it put a positive positive spin on that as well um but yeah I, I i just wanted to try and communicate it in a clear effective respectful way mm. and um and i guess they were very traditional graphic design mediums book posts media output like a you video. have the
0: same exact outputs as i do
1: <laughs> yeah but you but when you're communicating something like that you don't
0: want too much no you have to keep it there's something you have to keep it tasteful and clean That's yeah. essentially are the kind of the key words there like the book the the layout of the book can you take us through like why you chose the swiss design to lay it out obviously it is super clean looking and just in general that's kind of the main characteristic of that design style
1: well i guess as well like for me i mean i felt i mean obviously i've got a keen interest in swiss design regardless yeah. but I, I i felt that was because with a disaster that fucking traumatic and it's been going on this long, you need, because it's just chaos almost. It's like just chaos. That whole thing, the, the start is just chaos. Mm. Swiss Design is a great way to just filter it out, strip line filter, and just present the facts in a clear and precise way. And have the book, it starts off, um, the first few pages are on a kind of a lighter black paper, mm. and they just have the names of everyone who died, um, a mention of the people who commit suicide after the index. And then it goes into the first chapter, which is about the start of an introduction. And um, on each chapter, there's like an interval where it just gives a chapter and then you turn the page and it's like a little half kind of white page that kind of slips yeah, in. Yeah, I
0: noticed that. Yeah, it's a lovely way. It do- How did you print that actually?
1: So that was all done, just all done on the on the riser. Oh, really? Okay. And I swear to God, it, the, the, I took over the room for like a week. <laughs> it was just like their table in there was just full. Was Connor, get the
0: fuck out <laughs> Honestly, I think anyone
1: else wanted to kill me. But funny is like of that. We the final
0: projects as well.
1: I was just like, don't care, doing Do you this, know, taking I did notice, over. It's
0: funny you say that. I did notice that when I was an NC dude in my final project, uh, trying to get hold of a tutor. You'd kind of have mm. to literally... Kind of go. Can I show you this? And then it just just yanked them.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, honestly, I say the
0: tutor. The, it must be just the most stressful three months for a, for for like the tutors alone as well. Who who is in the uh, the tutors in final year? So you, from,
1: we had. I I see so you, you have like JP's ahead of yeah. communication, right? as I write. Then you have Kate. Is Kate still there? Kate's amazing. Yeah. Kate Love was Kate my well. personal
0: tutor when I was in when I was in college. So that's yeah. it. so.
1: Kate and Bobby split the, the the year so you can of, of graphic design yeah and um, and i got Bobby as mine, which is a great person to get for doing typography yeah. obviously an amazing type um designer you gave me some great books to read as well you know like typography emma rudder all mm. this kind of stuff and really guided me as well in a good direction Um, but yeah it's pretty much just bobby and then you, i feel like as well you a technician save a day every day mm. like izzy's izzy rose grange is a rhizo um She's our RISO uh, specialist and she's called the Dropout Press. It's like a workshop in NCD. She runs the, the RISO printer. She saved that year pretty much, our year. She was working yeah. overtime, unpaid, I think, a lot of the time, really putting in the hours for us. Um, but she's also an amazing artist, tattoo artist herself. Massive props to her because she really helped me get them books printed out. Um, and I like, and like that as well. Yeah, the technicians who were there all the time because like mm. Bobby's part-time, you know, Kate's looking after the MA, Looking after second years,
0: it's just, uh, yeah, it's full on.
1: I actually we were. I've been chatting to someone actually today about this from college you who know, I met in town, um, briefly, and, and we were just wow, like actually, fair fucking play. But we, everyone likes to, to chat shit on their college course, no matter what it is. Hmm. But we we all chat shit. and so, say, oh, there's no one here. Oh, why? But actually, they're so understaffed. And NCD until recently, I think they got a massive new funding from Simon Harris. NCD. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, okay announcing them. them. Apparently, yeah. but like NCD, you know, doesn't get the fun and it deserves. And, um, the, 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 the was really do give you the, the best.
0: Oh, like as I said, I was saying before we started, like even, even just, uh, just the way they talked, like I loved, Brendan was, I loved Brendan so much. I thought Brendan was fantastic. He must be doing it. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think he's he still is there. there. Yeah, he's must, illustration it was, though. It was, yeah. it was visual communications when I was there, so they hadn't split it into the right. two things. But I remember even going in and, you know, like, you know, JP is tough, but he's mm. extremely fair. But I went in to drop out one time and just the pep talk that I got off him, I still remember it verbatim. Like that kind of stuff. He does, they don't have to do these kind of, Man. you know, and he bent over backwards to make sure that I got, you know, got All the help that I needed at the particular time, no, it was amazing. And Fiona Hodge as well, God, yeah. Fio- please tell me Fiona's still there is she- Fiona's,
1: I know, no, I did, I never had an account with Fiona.
0: Oh, she, well, she would have been, um, she like she would have, she would have been there in the sign with the sign in sheet and all that kind of carry on right. and making sure everything going on is
1: going smoothly, yeah. No, but like, going with JP, though, I mean, I wasn't going to submit my ICD book. Really? Because I was doing... That's surprising. It sounded like you'd put a lot of work into it. I put a it. lot of work into it, but I was so done with it. All right, okay. Because I, was, I wasn't, I was I'm a bit, of, I'm not, I'm a perfectionist, but like I wasn't, I was already working in the start and I was like, I was really like completely quit my job the whole lot. Mm. I was just in this. And it was like the week I was getting it printed out and JP was going, he was driving to Belfast with the ISD books. Now, a lot of the year kind of bailed on the ISD okay and i was kind of like i all i had to do really was, I, was like, I did a new draft that was much better still you know i don't think it's my finest typographic work but it was very it was just my beginning kind of a uh, piece in a way but you have one but, oh, no, yeah, <laughs> but i sound but i i like like i was very passionate still about the topic um and he saw that as well as look on i think you'd be mad not fucking submitting this yeah. and i was like "Oh, like, i haven't got time to do the specs book and the whole lot and this is an hour before he's about to drive to Belfast, <laughs> and he goes, I, "I can't do it. I'm going to try and do that thing again." He goes, Oh listen, can't you be fucking mentioned? Haven't your fucking CV? He's like, come on!" Hate- oh, yeah, he he's going to. I know, yeah, I know. So I'm sorry, much. JP but... You know, and he wait and he waited the hour and a bit, and he and he put it together, and you know I mean. And, and I respect him for that because I got into the I C D in the end, mm, and nice. it's like
0: congratulations, thank you very much, no small but, no small feat.
1: That's the thing. So it's like, I guess, you know, those tutors who you almost want to kill half of the time, it's like they actually have got your best intentions at heart. And it's like, you do need that. If you're a student right now who's doing graphic design or anything like that and you are getting a bit of shit, take it on the fucking chin. Mm. Like, honestly, like, make, but like, look like an idiot in college. I, 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 came, to the point, I came to the realization in, in final year this is where I need to be. And this is where I need to make my stupid mistakes. This yeah, is where yeah. I don't want to ask the stupid questions because. I don't care if the fucking tech thinks some like a gobshite. Yeah. It's when I get employed.
0: Yeah. You don't want to make it. I, I made a huge mistake when I was employed. I can't. I don't want to say it. I know. I will say it. I, I sent something off a print that had a typo in it. and I was like, God, just, just don't ever do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was, and they were like I was like how many times did you print and they were like a lot
1: I was oh, like oh <laughs> yeah. it typos yeah, I'm, bab- are, I'm fucking dyslexic with it, was, like.
0: it was chocolate that had two T's in the middle of it it was a real stupid mistake <sighs> uh, or was it two C's it was something it wasn't that glaring it's because the typeface that they wanted to use was this script typeface I can't remember what it was called but um, I just remember that. she's like yeah there's a typo in the uh, packaging I was like oh fuck uh so is that like a test thing? And they were like, nope, that we said that to print. One. I was like, oh god.
1: Packaging as well. What? Packaging as well. So yeah, like- it was
0: me I was me freelancing too. So I was like, there's a client I'm never getting back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ah,
1: look. Well, look, I mean like, yeah. we're all don't we're don't only do that. human. We're only human. We're only human.
0: But um we've got completely sidetracked. But uh I was just wondering with the with the book, how did you get the content for it?
1: So the book is a mixture of my own research and also a book that was written in 2006 by Tony McCullough and Neil Fevers. Yeah. I can't pronounce his second name.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I can add it in. <laughs> so he
1: did, they did a bunch of research back what in... What's the book called again? It's, the, it's the, called The, the Stardust the Story, They Never Came Home. They Never Came Home, which or is the, the, the Christy,
0: Christy Moore song, isn't it? Well, give you a bit of cool... That bit song, of, you know that song got shadow banned?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. The only person who's ever been prosecuted in regards to the Stardust is Christy Moore for writing the fucking song about <sighs> it. Because he got sued by the Butlers who owned the club. Um, But my grandma, right... Uh, Bridget McDermott mm. she got interviewed back in the 80s for RTE and she said um, a line of lines of they never came home in regards to her children and Christy and I think she was the first person to say they never came home mm. and Christy Moore has met my grandma a bunch of times but Christy Moore got that from my grandma wow. they never came home I'm glad She brought said it up then. she amazing. said on, a, on an interview she was like they never came home I
0: think I think it was like 1986 that he released it or something yeah it was it's around that time yeah, yeah.
1: Um but yeah I, I think that's I mean fair play to Christy Moore has been a great supporter as well Christy Moore and Charlie Bird the uh, old so presenters. I know Charlie
0: Bird put a lot of effort into researching it and making sure that it was stay- Eamon Dunphy's name was chucked around as well at one point as reporting on it
1: oh uh, yeah, yeah I mean yeah. it's it's been rep- it's like there's been a lot of people who have helped out I think keeping it so you need them, people. You mm. need the Christine Moores. You need Charlie Birds who were in the public like to keep it going. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in regards to the book though, like that, 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 that book that was written in 2006, they had a lot of extensive uh, research done about the early years. So I used extracts from that book in my book, and then at the I, because that ended 2006, there's a lot of stuff that's happened since then, mm. and a lot of things that have changed and realizations. So I also wanted to update that. And also, my family, the McDermots, they never got, they never did the interviews, even though, even though they campaigned for the stardust, they didn't talk about it publicly about that night, about what happened, yeah, until very recently. So my interviews were the first ones to be kind of put into the uh, in, in, into, into print, um, and I wanted to tell their story as well, and then through my ph- photography as well. I, since January, when the new inquest. Not a not new inquest, sorry. The um, the anniversary The anniversary happened uh, that weekend and I went there with my camera and just documented it on the site because they opened up a new memorial in Charlie Bird's Honour and the um, Dublin Fire Brigade came and the paramedics came and there was a big event there. And then from then, I wanted to document with my camera each event leading up to the inquest. So there, there was a, a day where... Dublin GAA gave the families um, like a stardust-crested Dublin training jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was also then the Jory picking at Crow Park, the start of the inquest. So all of these make a, an appearance in the book itself at the end. And um, I guess as well, that, that other book is quite clinical. Mm. It's quite, a, I guess as well, like I, I'm a visual person. You need, I think, when you're looking no. at the the archive <laughs> pictures, exactly. Yeah, yeah. When you see those those old pictures from the 80s and you see the faces, it becomes a lot more real, mm. and you can really relate to it a lot better. And I, and I wanted to kind of give the give it an identity, not like in a in a in a in a brand kind of way, but like give it a give it something. That people when they think of the status as well they they, they, they can see it in a way you know yeah that's... it's
0: kind of one of those ideas where it's like you know you see it's 48 people died and wasn't it, it was 40, mm. yeah it's not just a number anymore it's like these are the people that it's all affected yeah. and it's it's not just kind of uh yeah just that's the, i think that's mainly just not just a number it's that these it, these are people's lives that it had affected and absolutely yeah
1: um because i think that's that's the thing as well that they, they, they kind of just become statistics yeah when these were just like me and you, man. They were just even younger than us that's now. The thing actually,
0: I, yeah. Because I, I, I get, I do get very upset when I listen to stuff about it and when I watch the, the stuff that I watch about it. Because the thing that goes through my head is like, I'm 29. 29 is I'm 29 next month. It's no age. These people were 18, and 16. It's yeah. just they're kids essentially by the, by all extents of person. That's the so thing, that's, the, that's what age they were.
1: I always saw them like my uncle Willie and Uncle George and Seller, and I'd. Look at the picture because the pictures of three of them is in every single house—my mum's, my grandma's, my aunt's—everything. And I, I, I kind of always saw that and just saw them as distant, dead relatives. Mm. And it wasn't until I got older, teenager, and I started looking at the pictures, and when like, they actually look about my age. And now I've surpassed every single one of them in age. And I look at them, and I just see kids. Yeah. And I'm like, fucking hell! Like forty, forty-two years is a long time in a lifetime to get justice. But in the in the space of history, it's a fucking second. It's a blip, yeah. And that's uh, something you got to remember as well. Like, this is such a recent thing in our history, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, it is. It's. Uh, th- th- I just that's the part that I was going is that they were kids. I think it's I th- it's terrible with the inquest now. Actually, like, do you think? Do you see it coming to a close yeah. soon?
1: You do, yeah. Uh, look, I don't want to say anything out of place, but I feel I touch wood as well. It's, yeah. it's still got. It's, but I think there's been a good energy about this. I think as well, the, like the government's estates, it's like it's anyone's realized this it's gone. It can't go on any longer. Mm. It genuinely can. And there's nothing they can really even pull out with the fucking dirt to try and delay it anymore. Yeah. The the firm that we have as well are really good. They know the stuff. Like a lot of people have been, you know, a lot of people over the years have let us down. Um, But these guys are really behind our back. And I think... Even like that day, Jimmy Patrick even said this, that day when See, we- I never
0: even asked you about him yet. Well, I'll yeah.
1: tell you about him after, but yeah. he he was telling me that he actually, that day when we brought the the signed truth cards, so back in 2018, we had the truth campaign, mm. 48,000 cards were signed by the public to open up the new inquest. Now they said we could have got, a, you know, 148,000 cards. People wanted to get, we went to shopping centers all over, Kulak and Swords, even out in Galway. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew about it. And um, Jamie handed the box uh, to—I think it actually was Jamie or my grandma, one of them—handed the box to the the. I've uh, the, tried the, forget what was his name now. Uh, Wolf—he was the head of the Justice Department. Something. What, Seamus. What? No, not Seamus Wolf.
0: we fix fixing him post.
1: <laughs> Look, anyway, he came down personally to get them cards, mm. and. No. That was a big that that was a sentiment as well. It was as if like it's been acknowledged by someone in power in the state, and since then it's been a, it, we've just got a good feeling about it. And it's like each little event that's happened has been like a bit of ray of sunshine that comes in, or small little things like that. And mm. but touch wood, I think now. It's going the right way, and it? it's still it's still it ongoing right be. now.
0: It's like, but it's still kind of crazy that we see different things coming out. So it's like, why wasn't this just? Why didn't people just say this at the beginning? You know, these yeah. kind of little nuggets of information that we get every so often, sporadically into it. But um, it does. It, I I'm quite optimistic with it, to be honest.
1: I hope so because I think from my grandma now as well, she's not very well, and it's like, I think this will just be before she passes on. I think to, for her to get closure, closure. And also, just as for her kids, it's been a whole life, yeah. and it's not just her life. There's 42 other families who have been affected. You know, all these families, all these people who have carried this for so long, mm. just let them close it and just let them have the, the those who died, the, the peace and and for once, do something right. You mm. know, by by the people. There's been enough scandal in the country over the years. Been enough. Why not just close this off and acknowledge it? You know, they. Even um, David, like Jimmy was saying, you know, David Cameron, who is a British Prime Minister, apologised for Bloody Sunday.
0: Oh, yeah, he yeah.
1: did actually, yeah. And it's like, that's a foreign country talking about. Yeah. And uh, Ireland's own governments won't apologise to their own people for what happened that night.
0: It's not, even for what, it's not even for what happened that, what obviously is for that, Mike, yeah. but it's just like for for not actually just stepping up and going, we need to squash, we need to get this done now. Yeah. Like, yeah, because there's certain people who've passed away where they never got closure. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like their, their loved ones died, their brother, whatever, sister, their, you know, like their sons. It's, it's, Yeah. Nice. Um,
1: well, I've, I've mentioned a lot, Jimmy Fitzpatrick.
0: Yes, we should talk about him because he is a fantastic individual. Because nice. he suffered like extensive, like third-degree burns and everything. Is he and now he's now a motivational speaker. He's featured in your video. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, he is. Yeah,
1: say. and and he he was the last person to leave um, the, the hospital. He yeah. was not there for five months. Now he like that. He, his story is is he was there and he actually got hit the fire like that, but he went back and he seen two girls who were struggling. He went back in, threw them out. But when he threw them out, that's when all the the mayhem happened. He got trampled on and he had to crawl his way. Now, he thought he was crawling towards the front door, but he crawled backwards and towards the dance floor. Oh, God. And at that point, the ceiling was collapsing, you know, mayhem. Mm. But he was getting burned to life and he put his hands over his head and he ran towards a fire. You could hear people kicking at a fire door that was chained.
0: Yeah, I remember this. There was two women next to it and then just lads just went, this is the door. And just, yeah.
1: He, So he, they were all throwing themselves against the door and he was throwing his burnt body against the door. And eventually it, it it burst open and he fell out on the ground. Um, But he, it's so a story about him actually and, and his character. This kind of really highlights his character. Mm. A lad picked him up who he didn't know, seeing the state he was in. Now, Jamie at the time was not so much shock. He was just like, look, I've got to go home and tell my mom that I'm safe. Wow. As any 16-year-old would, you know? And then this That's guy when, went, 16 when he was, he was there. 16, God. all of his mates were there. He lost a lot of his best mates in that fire. A lot of them, a lot of them died in that fire that night. He didn't know where they were, but he ended up getting dragged into an ambulance and the ambulance was actually full and the driver said, look, there's no way you can get in. Mm. So your man got Jimmy and brought him around to the front seat and threw him in the passenger seat. Wow. And the guy, the guy behind the wheel turned and went, he can't get in here. And then, he looks at me and went, It's the sort of state he was in. And your man who threw him in went, eh, what you're full. Well, now you're fucking full. Mm. And your man behind the wheel, he then radioed the hospital saying, Where, where, where do I go? And when he was driving, he was driving that quickly that the the, the the ambulance driver, he almost crashed twice. Oh my god. <laughs> and he almost crashed into a lamppost, right? And Jimmy was sitting there in the state that he was in, and he goes and he turns around, he turns to the driver and he goes, Listen, man, do you want to watch where you're driving? the last thing I used do now is go for the fucking window. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And he's sitting there like that and, and that, but that's his humour. He's, he's always got, he's the funniest guy I'll meet and he's got a great character. And look, I mean, he 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 found out after he lost a lot of his best mates there that night mm. and it completely, he's, he's, his hands are completely disfigured, but he never let it, he never let it hold him. He plays the drums for fuck's sake. Does he? He plays. He's a drummer. I did not know that. Wow. And he's a solicitor, and he's happy. He's, yeah, he's got kids, and he, and he never let it define him. And I and I was chatting to him, and he became friends with my family as well, and and, and through the Stardust. And he just said, "Look, as so we were just in the bar one day after after one of the after the inquest, and, all, and he just, I'd actually love to just, uh, I thought he did some talks in schools to people about fire safety and hmm. obviously about the Stardust." I love to go to universities and really kind of explore that more. And 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 I was he's such a great speaker. And I was saying to him, "You are an amazing people person. You've got great character. The way you tell something is horrific and as hard and it's um, traumatic as a stardust, you, you tell it in such a human, not a positive way, but in a in way. A, it a digestible is, yeah. way as well, and keeps it light, but also keeps it, it. doesn't. It's not blunted. It still has its edge. It still mm. hits. Still lands. Um and I was doing my projects. I interviewed him photographed them and all, and all that and actually accidentally I filled a form out in NCD to do a workshop I was just getting emails and I was just fucking filling them out you know finally year uh, sending the exhibition and I got one and I just thought it was for the exhibition space but it was actually for a workshop so I filled it out didn't think about it got a phone call just panicked woman being like hello Connor what What you're having a workshop And I went uh a workshop <laughs> I was like I- did you sign up to teach one I signed, it was like you could do like a live event, like a, 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 like have people you know do a thing. You know, I was
0: wondering where this
1: part of the thing. <laughs> right, and I was like, I would. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to fill it out. Hung up, whatever. And I thought, Jesus Christ, Jimmy Fitzpatrick, why isn't he he come in and do a lecture? Because you can you can have someone in to yeah. do a talk. Uh, one of your mates, Maeve, she had Emmett Curran, brilliant thing, amazing. But I thought, oh, wow. well, why not? Why not get Jimmy in? And it and it's like like that as well. You're seeing this. This is coming from the horse's mouth. This is mm. someone you can tell the story better than I can. No matter how many books I fucking write. I mean, this is this is who you want to listen to. Um, so he was more than happy to do it, and he came in and he did a lecture in the Harry Clark, and um, people came down, and it was just it was great to see him as well. Um, really, kind of like I, I guess it, he's been a, he, every time he talks about it, he gets more, he gets better at it, you know, because mm. it's not an easy thing to talk about, and and he's just. He's an amazing guy and I appreciate him so much for doing that. And um, yeah, it was great, you know.
0: Fantastic. But uh, so we're coming up to the end now because I just looked at the time. There we've gone way over time, <laughs> <I always laughs> way over time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, what's where? Where do you think you'll be going next with this? Because I know you were down in Design West, which looked fantastic. that. Uh, yeah. What did you make again at the, 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 uh, the bench? That looked amazing. How did you make that? Well, that
1: was just so when you're in Design West. So you're with Connor Clark. You're in Connor the, Clark yeah. of Design Factory. He has yeah. like a passion project where it's like. They have a retreat almost for two weeks where designers you can be a graduate, you can be someone who's working in a studio, who's like, you know, well into your career. You can be anyone but a graduate. And um you go into Letter Frac, which is where they have this amazing campus called ATU. Hmm. It's one of the best, I think the best furniture uh workshop in the whole of the country. Oh
0: wow, okay. It's
1: amazing. Now it's got it's in a very random remote place, but a beautiful place. <laughs> and there's also a bit about dark history there as well. Well, when we do not have time. Yeah, we won't go into that. But anyway, they've got a state-of-the-art workshop there, all this wood. So I wanted to do something that was different, more physical, than a lot of prints and a lot of heavy subjects. So I ended up, every day we were there, we had great talks with people from, you know, all these designers, Pentagram, Studio Moves. Pentagram were there. They were there. Nice. Gail Anderson, the creative director of Rolling Stone Style magazine. Fantastic. Amazing.
0: Very jealous. Oh, like you learn...
1: So much, just Pentagram was the
0: first graphic design company that I went. This is so cool! Yeah. Like, and then, but I remember I was on work experience with uh, it was with Dynamo actually, and uh, Jamie, the guy who runs it, was kind of like, "How do you not know Pentagram?" I was like, "I know nothing about graphic design." Yeah. <laughs> so my auntie was just like, <laughs> "My auntie was like, you'd like it, <laughs> you'd like them." <laughs> yeah. Uh, now they were
1: lovely as well. And look, look, I went down there, and every day we were just we were always going down to the pier because we had some beautiful weather.
0: So the, I'm assuming that's where the photos taken. That's where from. the photos were taken
1: yeah. at the pier. And um, I just wanted to make, originally I was bent on like meh, fucking laser cutting into metal type like, typography, but I didn't know why. But I found some metal at the pier and then I realised I was going to make like a little infographic on the metal about the the pier and pier swimming, like sea swimming and all that kind of stuff. But then I realised I couldn't actually laser cut into it. Long story. Open my world up because I could work with wood then. I could work with any other material and they had loads of wood. They had all the machinery there for that, so I ended up making like a, a turn that infographic into a, like a, a piece of furniture.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful, it's so it's so slick and clean as well. Thank it's lovely. Much. Yeah, oh, well, I
1: look, I had a lot of hell as well from the technicians no, there did. who, wow, well, you know, I designed <laughs> it's all it, me. I designed it, I designed it. But they, you know, obviously, it's doing
0: Andy Warhol on it,
1: yeah, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, no, great experience, recommend it to anyone. Uh, let's go down to Design West, and uh, yeah, that, that's literally only back from that like last week. And um, look, I'm just hoping to get an internship now, nice. you know, and, and and I guess not. I, I don't want to plateau. I don't want to. You know, I know. I'm I'm very happy with that project I did there, and I and I I would love to also continue doing that kind of work. I'm yeah. passionate about design for change. Not as cringe as it sounds. I believe in it. No, it's it. not cringy. In, I,
0: I'm completely with you on it as well. It's and, and I do think what you're doing is very important, and the way you've presented it as well. Is, is 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 fantastic. Like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have reached out to you if I didn't think that what you were doing. Was, I appreciate was that incredible. so much, man.
1: Because like that, you know, it's like graphic design. I I always kind of I never I always kind of thought, uh, well, let us be design fucking coffee shop logos and there's nothing wrong yeah, with that.
0: I, I I honestly that's why I thought I'd be doing for most of it as well. I yeah. do book layouts now, so which I quite like. So that's love funny. that. Yeah,
1: that's something that I'm interested in yeah, book yeah. layouts. You know, and like that kind of like storytelling and newspaper layouts
0: and book layouts but i'm hoping to get into books but mostly newspaper but yeah it's nice it's i like working with type but i never thought i would if that makes sense yeah
1: yeah yeah and i guess that's me i love type as well i'm still learning we're all on a journey you realize as well actually when you graduate, but you don't know anything. Oh, actually, I still
0: have a bunch of books over there that that are design books. Yeah. Did you ever read Just My Type?
1: No, I That's
0: no, no, a good. I can't remember who wrote it. It's up. There, I can see it from here. But um, I remember reading that like over COVID, and I was just like, there's so much stuff in this that's so basic that I just completely boom right yeah. over the head. Yeah. This is it. Like, and, yeah. it, and it's
1: just constant learning, and um. I've applied for the free-by-free free internship, which nice. would be... That's,
0: a, that's fantastic. Oh, there's actually
1: yeah. a fucking interview for that on Friday coming up. So candles, light your candles, folks. <laughs> it probably comes out after It's probably come out, after, out next week. But I mean, look, <laughs> uh, I'll probably know by then. And But they're there, all love as well. And it's just kind of getting to know people in the industry and... and um, yeah, networked. Networking.
0: Networked a bit. Make sure your LinkedIn is
1: stacked. I need to get li- yeah, on yeah. LinkedIn. Do you on have LinkedIn? I've got it, but I don't... Understand it, it, you know what I mean. Yeah, you. <laughs> you add me, you add me. I, 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 apparently, Jimmy's big on LinkedIn as well. I don't. <laughs> I'm, I, I, so, on social media, I just kind of haven't got my head around yet, but definitely I want to work on that. And and yeah, I just want to keep on doing what I'm doing. I would love to keep on graphic designing. I don't want to go back to retail. I want to. I want to keep on. My, keep on my keep on my path, you know.
0: <laughs> I think I think you'll be. I think you'll find your footing very quickly. Don't worry. Ah, appreciate hey, well, Thank that. you so much for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. No Legend. problem. Right. so that is the end of our episode for this week I just want to make a quick thank you again to Connor for coming on it really was a pleasure chatting with him like a truly very talented artist in tackling a subject that I can't have imagined is kind of an easy way to communicate it like how do you approach something like that I think he did it expertly so I'll be very much looking forward to see what he has for in the future I will be giving a link to his Instagram it's Connor Leach but I'll give a link to it in the bio so you can check out his work and keep up to date with what he's working on Uh, there's been some lovely stuff posted recently there but uh, yeah, if you enjoyed that episode and want to hear more just like it, please give the podcast a follow. It really does help me out. Like I say it every week, but it, it, it genuinely does. You've no idea. And if you're feeling very kind, you can leave me a review as long as it's positive. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's our episode for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it, as I said already. And uh, we'll be back next week with a new guest. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.